you guys. Welcome back to The Pit Perspective. We're really excited to be back with you guys. I'm Abby. I'm Bree. I'm Cameron. And I'm Daisy. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, the interview that one of our fellow members, Ashley Wolf, had with the Greenville Theater and Arts Center creative director, Devanya Terry Campbell-Payton. Um, we talked about her struggles in Pitt County and her upbringing as a black woman. What's your name? Yes, my name is Terry Campbell Payton. Uh, what do you normally go by? The full name or like the first? Uh, well, I usually go by just Terry. You can call me Terry. Um, some people like to call me by my, you know, personality name, which I used to, I, well, I do host events and host different shows and, and I'm a choreographer. So some people call me the triumphant angel. Wow. I like that. I think, <laughs> thank I you. think I might use that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, so as far as we know, you are associated with the Black Creatives mm -hmm. of Greenville. Is that cr the correct name? Uh, yeah, so the Black Creatives of Pitt County, um, we there's a certain group, it was especially within 2020 when everything was going on and the First Street mural was being painted. Um, the process was absolutely <laughs> hard and difficult a little bit, um, even just getting it approved and even switching artists from the first group to the second group. So uh, there was this group and people talking about uh, all these young artists being able to come together and just be able to do certain things in Greenville and actually know who to contact. So everybody just wanted to have this foundational piece of this group who everybody can just reach out to if we needed visual art or like dancing music and just who could we reach out to who were like the urban group in Greenville. So um, I was able to be a part of the development. Um, I work with the Greenville Theater Arts Center, which is a nonprofit organization and that works closely with the Black Creatives of Pitt County. So I'm affiliated with them in a sense of just helping them also build and get to a certain point in Greenville as well because they are a new group. Wow. Um, that sounds like a really important connection that they have between each other. <laughs> yes. And I feel like more counties should have that kind of group working together. Absolutely. Um, so what led you to... Um, become the creative director, is that right? Yeah. Of um, the Greenville Theater Arts Center. Wow, this is a long story. You ready? Yeah. Uh, so this is the deep-rooted story of Greenville that really nobody knows, but it's very hidden. Um, but I'm glad you guys are making this aware. Uh, so I am a Greenville native. Uh, my mother is from New York. My whole family's from New York on my mother's side. Uh, they moved down here. Um, my, my mom, my uncle, everybody is in the entertainment field. They all started like, you know, in the development of hip hop and just in the beginning of like, you know, the Harlem Renaissance, like my family was huge into like the New York arts and entertainment. So they moved down here. My mother actually founded the Greenville Theater Arts Center because there, she felt that there wasn't a space and um, just even arts, you know, that coming down south from the north, there's not really like a huge, you know, you go Broadway, you can go to like all these different dance companies, you can do all these visual arts, their exhibits. So coming to Greenville, she saw the lack of that. So she created this foundation, um, the Greenville Theater Arts Center, so that people could find more of an outlet and she had more of these resources. She was bringing people in. And my father at the time was this huge national playwright. So he was 
the Tyler Perry before Tyler Perry. So he started it out kind of for him in the stages of the African-American off-Broadway shows and being able to go on tour. So him and my mom really created like this whole environment and bring it and taking people out of Greenville, making them go on the road, making them go to like different movies. Um, he did a lot of things with Lionsgate and Code Black Entertainment. So able to even get that movie experience. So literally it's been deep rooted in my whole entire life. So me coming, when I went to school at Johnson & Wales University, I came back, um, I lived in Charlotte for five years. I came back and I realized that things we're a little different from Charlotte here. So kind of like my mother, I came back and I was like, well, mom, let's go ahead and, you know, I'm ready, I'm here. Let's go ahead and build this more up. Like I'm ready to step into this position and actually push this vision a little bit differently. So that's how I kind of came into the uh, creative director of the Greenville Theater Arts Center. Wow. Um, so it definitely sounds like it took a while for yeah. this thing to kind of like get its roots and, and grow into this like amazing organization that you guys 30 have. 30 years. This year will be 30 years. Wow. 30 years. So my Your mother started mm -hmm. it. Okay. So my mother, uh, started the organization in 1992. Wow. Um, something that I think that's important to know is some of her wording that she used with you know the founding of the art center is that like there's not necessarily necessarily a lack of arts and culture in the south specifically like black um, arts and like arts culture in the south it's just a lack of an outlet and i think that's important that they establish that in greenville because she's right there's not a lot of places where you can authentically have an outlet for you know like visual arts theater music, um, instrumental performances, really anything outside of the university. So um, I think that's cool that she kind of noted that the lack of an outlet is kind of the real issue at hand here because culture and art, um, especially in the black communities everywhere in the South. Did she um, have any pushback coming down to the South as an African-American <laughs> lady? Absolutely. Again, it's totally different from up north. I hear the stories all the time. Um, and it was actually motiv motivating for her, you know, to even come down here and actually push through those boundaries. And my father, he grew up here. Like, he went to D.H. Conley. Um, Oh, so wow. he went through the the racism a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, he was still he, like he, when he went to D.H. Conley, he had to still walk to school. Oh. Um, uh, like there was a lot of even a lot of older people in Greenville still remember not being able to ride the bus to to schools. Um, so, but then my my father and my granddad he he was a farmer in, in agriculture, so they had a big farm, so they were able to get little you know, incentives and different things getting taken out of school. So my father was able to actually start driving the bus um, as a student for the high school. So that's how he was even able to, you know, and that's why he was driving. We was going on tour. We were doing the show. So that was a lot of the pushback and actually them using the arts to actually create this environment for people because it was depressing and dis, uh, like uh, not encouraging enough for people to even feel like they could keep going. So they felt like what they were doing was creating this movement for people in Greenville to be able to have hope, to feel like there was an out, to feel like they could, you know, follow their dreams and do what they want to do and actually have us to help them get to where they needed to go. Yeah, I mean... I'm really glad that she said that because, <laughs> I mean, I wonder how much longer it would have taken for yes. that kind of organization to come to light in Pitt County. Um, and so I guess uh, focusing a little bit more on you specifically, mm -hmm. um, 
as an African-American woman in Pitt County, what has your experience been? Ooh, uh, my childhood and my adulthood? Yeah. I can talk about both? Okay. Uh, my childhood was a little different. Um, my father was known in Greenville, so um, I was able to get to certain places and see other things and have discussions with other people in certain positions, even at a young age. Um, when I was at, um, I used to be in the Greenville Choral Society for 10 years, and that's me singing and just, you know, being involved in the the music side of Greenville. Um, and I love the Choral Society. Uh, I was drum major at Rose. Uh, I was able to graduate when I was 16 so I was only I was I was grad I was in high school for three years and then I graduated college for three years but we'll get to that um so I was already kind of on a certain path but it 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 was difficult for me because I'm not like a lot of people in Greenville like my story is a little different a lot of people who have been born here don't get the chance to leave or get out or have certain opportunities or they get in a certain position when they're in high school or middle school. Same thing for me. Um, when I was at EBA Cock, which is a middle school here, I was racially profiled uh, by the principals and the teachers there. But they, I, it was, it was definitely false. They said I was snorting cocaine at the lunch table. It was absolutely ridiculous. They had the police officer try to come and escort me out. I'm, I'm in seventh grade. I just have like no words like I mean to like I don't know about y'all but I didn't have cocaine at my middle school um <laughs> like I don't know I just feel like that kind of like comes to show people talk a lot about like kind of um what's the word like <sighs> making like black children like into like like punishing them as adults or yeah, filing them as adults them, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just kind of interesting that you're, what, like, 12, 14 years old in middle school? 14 at most, I think. And they were accusing her of snorting cocaine. I don't know. I just feel that's, like that's kind of ridiculous. And I feel like, not necessarily to that extreme, but that's something that I think that we've noticed in most of the interviews that we've done, mm -hmm. is like, even at a young age, like these people are being like stereotyped yeah and like was it Lanika Wright I think when we were talking mm -hmm. to her I she was talking about how like where she grew up she would just walk into the store and people would follow her around they assumed she was stealing even though mm -hmm. she was like 13 years old I mean and that's it's also like imprinting on them like these are like solidified childhood memories and it's just like so negative and that like i don't know stays in someone's mind for a long time i'm sure yeah and even i can say like you know we're all in the honors college well i think so but like growing when we were younger in like elementary school it would be a thing you know i don't know if you had the, had the aig program mm -hmm. Well, they would bring you out of the classroom and like they would separate you and you would go do like advanced learning. Yeah. Well, I remember teachers would be like, um, to my parents, like, oh, she would do so much better if she wouldn't talk so much or anything like that. And I wasn't even a talkative child. It would just be who I was talking to. I would be talking to other black students or other colored students. And then they would separate that as, oh, she talks too much. She hangs around the wrong crowd. And we're all children. Like we weren't doing anything bad, but it was just that separation that kind of stays with you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
it's a pattern like it starts when they're so young yeah. and it just follows them so it's like and I, I mean obviously she understood that it was wrong but if it continues to happen like the microaggressions and the discrimination like it becomes like a norm for them and it shouldn't be yeah and i'm sure that like throughout education and in the higher education that like stayed with you for a while. oh yeah definitely so, and then getting into high school with like ap classrooms and like being like very few of the minorities in the classroom it definitely sticks with you and even like coming to the honors college they're working on that now and i like applaud them for that but like the diversity even here like i mean we go to ecu so that kind of explains <laughs> it but even just the diversity in the honors college it, it's changing but it's definitely a necessary change it's kind of slow yeah it's hard to hear i mean that she went through that and i know a lot of kids go through that and i feel like her her story is gonna it applies to a lot of children um but it, it's very discouraging as a child to, to hear that and and feel that way and be told by an adult that that's something you did when you know it's not true i mean it's it, it really does impact you. What happened was my friend was taking a Midol because she, she had a period, she was taking cramps. And so, you know, us females were scared of swallowing pills. So she had a pill crusher. So, and they thought that that was cocaine and they thought we were sniffing it at the lunch table. It was absolutely wild. Um, but we went to the, through, I went through the Board of Education. They were trying to expel me from school. They was trying to take all of my credibility away. But obviously my parents fought for it and we was like, and we had to go through this long process. Um, but then I went back to school and everybody was like, oh my God, what happened? We're so, but, but that happens to a lot of kids here where in middle school and high school, they get in these certain situations and positions and then, you know, their parents may not be knowledgeable on what to do or they don't know how to fight it correctly and then they're stuck here and then they can't, they have to graduate later, they get stuck in these positions, now they're in trouble and it's just this repeating cycle. So, and even me seeing that and feeling that at 12 and 13 and, you know, it was like, this is something I have to push forward on in Greenville because this, this can't continue to happen. And even my friends, certain my friends would get in certain position. It was like, you know, we were just so targeted at such a young age that if you weren't in a certain position or didn't know what to do or who to talk to, you, you were getting, you know, down by the wayside. So it was it, as a, as a young black American female, um, it was definitely hard. Then when I left Greenville and I went to Charlotte for five years, my whole life changed. I'm in Charlotte when I, I left when I was 16, I graduated. So when I left, I was like, oh, this is what Greenville should be like. Like this is, you know, it should be diverse. We should have this, like I should feel comfortable. Like I love Charlotte so much. So then um, when I turned 21, I was like, I'm going to go back home. Let me see how everything's different. And, and I came back and it was nothing like Charlotte. <laughs> and I was like, what are the ECU students doing? What are the what are the people doing? I realized that all my friends had left Greenville. They were never coming back. I realized that everybody was just so distant. Nobody was really like nurturing and putting back into Greenville because they felt so discouraged, you know? And it, it, it discouraged me in the beginning. So, and, and it took a while for me to be like, you know what, I'm gonna push through this fight. I, I almost wanted to leave. I wanted to go back to Charlotte so bad, <laughs> but I was like, what type of person would that make me? You know, that would be just like everybody else. Um, I'll be leaving Greenville and the cycle will still continue for everybody else. So me still here pushing through it and saying, okay, no, we're gonna make this happen. And even now me being here for almost five, four years, 
there's a lot of things still changing and I'm pushing through so much, even working with the North Carolina, the state arts council to even bring stuff here. even with the Pitt County um, Emerge Center in the arts gallery and the Greenville Museum of Art and everybody and just trying to figure out how we can push this envelope. Even when they um, get in the mural, the first street mural in 2020, when George Floyd in the situation, everything in Greenville was just so different. And it, it just made everybody see to light like, okay, some things need to change and we can't do the same things before. So even for people not being comfortable in what everything is, but going ahead and pushing the limit and pushing other people to say, this is what we now need to do. And this is now the vision and the goal for Greenville. So how can we get there? I just think it's kind of um, important to note that her work is like really important to areas like Greenville because I feel like she's right. So many people, I mean, myself included, whether it's my hometown or Greenville, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get my degree and get out of here and just leave and go somewhere bigger and better for me. But like, not a lot of people applaud the people that do stay and that do make necessary change to their own rural areas, especially because, I mean, she's right. Like, if she's going to be like everyone else and just leave, I mean, good for them. But who's going to, when are things ever going to change in Greenville? So I think that's really cool that she, you know, kind of noted that, that journey, I guess, because there are changes that need to be made in Greenville. And slowly but surely it's happening and it's great when we have people like her um who decide to like stay and put their work and their love into making the city better for you know in a whole lot of different ways arts culture race relations everything yeah and like the more people that stay and like put work into these places then the less likely that people are going to want to like have that or the less likely people are gonna have that like mindset that they need to get out or they have to get out. So what she's doing is like really important to this community. Yeah, and I'm glad that I'm really glad that she's doing this work. I mean, I feel kinda bad that she was discouraged and that the discouraged people are having to doing having to do this work and put this work in and the people doing the discouraging. Like the people telling them like that they're bad people are the are like just sitting and let, watching it happen um, but this is really like a labor of love and this is what she's like dedicating her life to and we really do need people like her so it's been difficult but it's it's motivating to even see the growth and in, in progress that I've already made since I've been here so Wow, I mean, I know that was a lot. I'm no, sorry. Thank, you. thank you for sharing. I feel like, I mean, I'm sorry you went through that, but like, thank you for sharing that. I feel like your story, you like you said, is very similar yeah. to a lot of kids out there, and hearing that might, might you know, give them so. to, I, to push forward. Like, I like really you're doing. do hope so because it does get discouraging. Like I was even at 12, I, I was crying hysterical in the principal's office because they had me call my mother to tell her I was snorting cocaine. I was like, mom, that's not true. Don't listen to her. Like it was so traumatic, but seeing my parents going, we know you did not do that. They Hold knew. on for a second. Yeah. Like, let us handle this. And they literally, like, I commend my parents for that. 
because I don't know if somebody, other parent would have came in and believed that and be like, oh my God, why were you snoring? You know, and then mm -hmm. thinking that the child, you know what I'm saying? And, but my parents were like, okay, no, did y'all even drug test her? Did y'all look up her nose? And they were like, no, <laughs> like, no they, yeah. yeah, they're like, this, like another teacher, I guess she didn't like me. She went and told the principal in the police department that I was sitting at the lunch table and, you know, snickering and I, we were up to something and we were like, what? And nobody really liked this teacher anyway, but she had something out for me and she was going to get me bad. It, it, was, it was strategic. Yeah, it was, it was so yeah. traumatizing, but. Mm -hmm. I got through it and I, I understood what I like the process for me later in life and being an educated person who has her degree, even coming back, <laughs> people still on like the council and people on the boards are still from the Jim Crow era. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And things are still the same from there. And even trying to push forward certain things, it's like, <sighs> when are things going to really change? But I see the growth of people even coming to my side. Like even you guys researching me and finding me, it's like, that's perfect because that's all I've been trying to do this, this whole time is push in awareness for what is happening, even the the redevelopment that they're trying to do on this West Greenville side, which is super historic. Like this, even this building, the Roxy mm -hmm. Theater, was the first place black people in Greenville were able to go to, to watch movies, to even dance. The place we're in right now? The place you're in right now. They were going to tear it down. It was going to be a whole book like big thing about this because it still hasn't been renovated or touched since like 1950s 40s you know it hasn't been rezoned no nothing so it was really traumatic for me even coming back and be like okay I'll, I'll get the building. <laughs> let's let's get the building. The organization will, you know, do stuff in there. And just even trying to show the city that there is a need for this. And that's what, you know, usually has to happen once the, you know, because it's a business. Once they see a need or people wanting to come or, you know, needing this space, then now it's like, okay, okay, we, we'll put some development in there or we'll find some things to help you guys and it's all about yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about money and, and resource constraint over justice. Yeah. And yeah, because um, yeah, when I was looking up on Google Images before we came here and you were so nice, you gave us the address beforehand. I know. Um, I was like... And, and, but, but when I looked it up um, and I saw the picture, I was like, wow, it, it's really like small and it looks, you know, like, like how recently has it been renovated? And I just think it's like, it, it's just really sad how like this needs more renovation and needs more attention but then you get like places like east carolina university that are getting millions, millions. of dollars <laughs> and they already have like they already get millions of dollars yeah. like not even just the university have y'all heard of revitalize uptown like yeah. that's an actual city funded project and I get it you know I I really do get it from a realistic standpoint you have to have you know, economic growth, you have to have, you know, attraction to the city, especially to the heart of a city. But Lord, like there's people have been asking for the west side of Greenville to be revitalized, not what they consider revitalization, not tearing buildings down to put new economic traction, to revitalize the historic importance that these buildings and these communities have and it just i mean i don't know it's not it's all dollar signs to them and it's yeah. kind of it's really disappointing it's just yeah. i guess like in their mind like i mean the university is here and we're right next to uptown Greenville. but 
like we were talking about before we started the conversation about like the hotel that was supposed to get put in, like the students of ECU are kind of the only people that are like frequenting uptown. And so they were like, oh, let's put a hotel here. But was that necessary? It's just, there's, there are so many more places where a lot of these like dollars could be going. And it's really frustrating that people don't see the potential West Greenville does have because that's, those are vibrant communities. People live there and it's full of culture. And I don't know, I just feel like there are so many cool things that that part of the city could bring Greenville and the quote-unquote city of Greenville, the government, because, I mean, it's a, like, vibrant place, and funding deserves to go there, too, I believe, but there's not a lot of advocacy for it. Yeah, because the more money that they keep putting into Uptown Greenville, the, like, more that they kind of, like, silence that community and, like, push them away and act like it's not there. Yeah, and I mean, let's talk about something. How many empty buildings do you pass by in uptown that literally have nothing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so why are we, I don't know, be more strategic with the dollars, I guess. I'm, I'm really honestly glad you guys are saying this. I don't want to sound like I dislike ECU or anything. I absolutely love the fact that even Greenville is involved in the college community here. But then at times it feels like the people who do live here and actually, you know, have lives here and stuff or who don't go to college to ECU, it feels like we get kind of push the down to the wayside sometimes and it's like well you know well, what about the people who are actually living here because you guys come to college but it may be for four years and you don't really invest in Greenville you know but yeah. the people who you know and, and, and some people may graduate you know get a job at the hospital or you know find a career here and then they okay I want to raise my family here but then what if what about their kids you know so it's uh but I sometimes feel like ECU doesn't invest in the longevity of the Greenville community to the point where people can actually stay. Sometimes I feel like they only want the temporary or they say, hey, students, yeah, y'all come party and then y'all go back home. And it's like, no, you want your people to be here for four years and actually live and reside. You know, that's the goal. You want the expansion of Greenville. And even for them to, I, I forgot how much money it was. It's really a lot. I don't know did they, how, I don't even know how much they sold it for, but this whole entire side of the bridge, um, you know, the yeah, yeah uh -huh. the 10th Street Bridge, mm -hmm. this whole entire intersect, yeah. they're changing into like the, they're calling it the new ECU millennial or something. Oh, yep, yep, um, I heard about that. And I felt mm -hmm. bad because it was like, well, why can't that be like the Greenville millennial or something? Or mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily, ECU can fund it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be towards just the ECU community because you don't know what that could bring to even the campus and what the students may want to do for actually the city. So sometimes I feel like there's a, a huge divide sometimes and that's why even with the 2020 things happen, it, it made us like actually, there was like a, okay, we have to come together, you guys, like the Greenville community and the ECU community, like we have to figure out how to change the Greenville like city and make it comfortable for us as much as possible. That kind of makes me think about how like, so I grew up like in the Raleigh area and like a lot of my friends who don't go here, they're like, what's at Greenville? Like other than ECU, what is Greenville? And 
like before I moved here and started living here, I honestly didn't know. Like ECU is Greenville to most of the state. Like Yeah, I'm from the same area, I'm from Raleigh as well, and like I know my family they'll ask me on breaks, like, so what do you do there or like what is there to do? And I'm like I honestly don't have an answer for you because everything everything you come down here, as soon as you get close enough, it says home of East Carolina on the billboard saying for Pitt County. And then every um, business is ECU this, ECU car wash, ECU shop, everything it's ECU. And I see what she's saying because like, what is there left for the native Greenvillians? Is that what you call them? <laughs> like, what is there left for the people here? And it's kind of, it's definitely exclusive. Yeah, I'm from... A small town that's only like an hour outside Greenville and so like Greenville is like my big city like to go shopping like you need to get something you go to Greenville um, so I came to Greenville a lot growing up and I hear like a bunch of other college kids like that I know like students and stuff that are like oh what do you mean you came here this is where you came and they'll see the mall and they'll be like that's a mall what are you talking about? Because they're used to the malls in like Raleigh or Durham and stuff. And it's just like, what is Greenville other than ECU? Because they advertise in ECU. I mean, not to rag on ECU, but like ECU kind of for money, like takes over a lot of other sectors that maybe should be dedicated to or left to. The, the native Greenville people. Yeah. And that's kind of why, like, so when we started the podcast, because I know that you two are new, we, like, started out in academia a lot. We talked to a lot of people, like, affiliated with ECU, but we really wanted to expand into the community because we've noticed that the university and, like, the presence of the university is silencing these communities because that's all that Greenville is really known for right now. Yeah, and it makes me reflect on what she's saying about like all the people that left and like don't plan to come back. Cause even then, like I came to ECU and I was like, I'm gonna do my four years and I'm either going back home to Raleigh or I'm going somewhere else. And it's just like, I wonder how different that would be if ECU wasn't the dominating factor in Greenville. Like if they actually invested in the city, would it be somewhere where I would want to stay or like have children, like she said. But like, as of right now, like they don't invest in the community, so. I plan to leave Greenville, but it could be different. So um, it sometimes discourages me too, because it's like if I don't work for ECU or if I don't go to ECU or if I don't go there, that's not, then I'm not going to get the help, you know? But pushing through, even the people here, like honestly, we've the organization has been doing almost all the renovations in here. Uh, it looked totally different before we got it, but we've just been even just trying slowly but surely trying to get somewhere within the building. Um, but honestly, all it takes is somebody to say, yeah, I'll invest to help, you know, redo the whole entire thing because it still has wiring from the 40s, you know, electric, you know, electrical stuff. You know, it's it's a lot of different things, but I think it's, it's slowly but surely going to get there, you know, slowly but surely. Are y'all working towards a goal right now, like a monetary goal? Um, we're trying to get to a point where we are doing a 2023 fundraiser for okay. the actual renovation of the theater. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting through like sketches and trying to figure out honestly like what we want it to look like, what we want it to feel like, uh, what we want to bring different to Greenville. 
um, and proposing it to different people and proposing the outline and then honestly trying to figure out different ways to fundraise and actually put it out there. Um, it's, it's a lot of strategic planning and it's really a small organization. Again, it's like me, my mother, my family, you know, it's a family organization. So it, it takes a lot to when we come together, just strategically planning on how to actually make things go. And, and I'm and I tell them to this day, like I'm even still proud that we made it 30 years into this. And then, you know, me as a new generation, you know, helping my family get to a certain point now. And it's like, you know, we have to figure out how we can keep it going, even for my kids and my cousin's kids. And, you know, so that it could still be in the family and we can still provide something to Greenville as a whole. So you had. Um... So you had like, I mean, it's just amazing. You had the the will and the desire to stay in Greenville, even though you had you had that experience in the city, you had that experience in Charlotte, and you were like, wow, that I really like that atmosphere, but no, I need to stay and make that atmosphere here. Yeah, it was so sad. Um, and I was really getting to a, a big point in Charlotte. Like I was, you know, because outside of this, you know, I'm, I'm a creative director, so I dance, I sing, um, I'm a music producer, you know, I play the saxophone, I do a lot of different things. So I was utilizing that a lot more in Charlotte. But the realization came to me and I was like, I'm, I'm getting somewhere in Charlotte, but my, my, my family at home, or when I go back home, they won't know anything that I'm doing. Like it, is kind of, it was kind of discouraging for me in Charlotte. And I was like, well, people who live here are natives of Charlotte are booming and I want to be a part of that, but I feel like I have to go back home and do that for my for my own city. So that was the battle. And then coming back and realizing how hard it was, I was like, okay, no, this is really the reason why I came back and I have to stick to it. And I feel like if I don't change anything before I leave, I'm, I'm not going to feel content with myself, you know, because I'm not giving back to where I was or my home or, you know, making a difference somewhere. So it's definitely hard to stay, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm kicking it through and people like you guys and people coming in and you know just trying to help out and it really does take the people to really like come up or say hey I'll help you guys out or I'll, I'm free this day I'll volunteer and or I'm coming here or I'll tell my friends about this and it's that's really been the whole blessing about staying and seeing the impact of what we're really needed for the people so what was your what, what was your dad and your mom's uh, reaction when you said, hey, I want to take on this, you know, this role of creative director of the Greenville Theater Arts Center? <sighs> well, it was honestly destined for me. Uh, so before I graduated high school, my father got into a tragic car accident. Um, he was a truck driver, so he passed away when I was 15. So that was a year before I graduated. And so... It was really difficult, you know, coming into things because even when my father died, everybody was coming at me like, okay, you know, your father's this writer. He has, you know, all these different things. You know, we know that you're young, but you have so much inside of you. You can write, you can sing, you can dance, you can act. And it was, um, I was already kind of getting groomed to get to a certain position. Um, and then it was like, you have to get your education first. So before you can even get into a certain light, you have to get your education first. We'll help you, you know, we'll do everything we can, you know, supporters of my dad and some of my family members. And so they were kind of pushing me to this point. So when I, I was already kind of doing that in Charlotte. So then when I came back, it was just me settling with the position, but pushing through mainly of Greenville. 
So that was the main thing. Um, my family already knew. We were, are, they already was like training me, grooming me. I was already like in boot camps. I went to like UNC School of the Arts for filmmaking. Like I was doing so much. And like coming back, it was just hard because I was different. I was new to Greenville. Like I was something new to them. And it was like, oh, man, she's coming in here. She's pushing through. Like, she wants to do this. She wants to do that. Who is this kid? Like, <laughs> she's young. And I'm in these rooms with, like, 40, 50-year-olds. And I'm like, we should do this. And da-da-da-da-da. I was like, let's take a slow. And it was like, slow pill? I thought this is what Greenville wanted. <laughs> so I was already getting into the creative direction. So, And my mother absolutely loves the fact that I'm even – you know, honoring my family and even pushing through to do this, you know, because I could have made another choice to go somewhere else or just, you know, no, nah, I'm not doing this. I'm leaving Greenville. I don't want to do this anymore. But, you know, even her seeing me push through and her just even being by my side through all this whole thing and helping and coaching me, giving me advice, um, being my mentor, it's really been helpful, you know, because it is, it is true when you have support, love, and family, anything is possible. Um, and that's the main thing I've taken out of all of this. You could go through hardships in life. Um, things could be thrown at you, obstacles. Uh, you will fail a lot of times, but as long as you have those, you don't have to have many, but those close people that really ground you, keep you sane, that help you push through, as long as you have that and lean on that, you're going to get through whatever you can. So, and that's always been my mindset throughout this whole journey and this process. So, and so when you, um, when you talked about like, uh, for example, just like going back, if you don't mind, no, to go that, ahead. you said something very interesting, um, which was how a lot of, uh, young people in Greenville, uh, they feel like they get trapped. And mm -hmm. do you mean like specifically African-American population or like of all demographics? I will say all demographics, uh, it is specifically the African-American community, but there is such a, a misfit uh, community now. It's not just African-Americans. Uh, it's people who like, you know, cosplay or, you know, people who want to, you know, you know, scientific people who want to just push the boundaries on certain things. Uh, and I, even talking to those type of people in the community who lived here for years but don't know where to start in Greenville because there's no, you know, avenue or resources to really set them up because it's either if you go to ECU or you're in the hospital or medical or, you know, it's not really, well, what do I do if I want to be this? And it's like, well, you can't really go nowhere. So we really wanted to be that safe space to say, okay, it don't matter what color you are. It don't matter where, what you want to do or where you're from. If you feel like you don't belong or don't have a home, this is for you, you know? Um, and the arts can help you see yourself or feel good no matter what, even if you don't want to do the arts or if you don't know how to dance or if you feel like you just want to listen to some music or some feel good music just so you can get through the week. Um, our main thing is just artistic healing. One thing that like, really stands out to me and that I've noticed like within a lot of the people that we've interviewed is like we're talking to them to kind of give a voice to the African-American community in Greenville and they continue to like use this time they talk about it and they like tell their story but then they also advocate for other communities not just their own which I think is like super interesting but it's also super important and I think it's something that like everybody should do like 
I mean, she's here, we're going to her to tell her story, but she's also like making sure that we're aware that she's advocating for all of these other communities. Yeah, and I feel like she has created this place, like this safe space. Originally, it was for African-Americans and um, black people in general, but like beyond that, she just wanted a safe space for anybody who didn't feel like included in the Greenville community. And I think that's just a really important work and that, I mean, people should support it any way they can. Regardless of what you do, where you're at, um, we want to be that space to just heal everything. You know, if, even if you feel like you don't belong, if you're not aware, if you're not, you know, around to know what's going on, you can just have this in one center, one space, you know, and that was our main thing coming in. So, and we seen that because it was just the African-American community where that was coming in, but then we started seeing like a fluctuation because really there's no LGBTQ clubs or bars. There's no space for them to go. They have to go to Rocky Mount or Raleigh. So even that community coming in and be like, we have nowhere to go either. We love the arts, you so know? So they come we, to the Greenville Theater Arts Yeah. Wow. We, we have a, um, we are very involved also in the drag community, um, even because they want to learn how to dance. So even certain things, I'll even teach them or we'll have certain days where we'll sit around and just talk. Um, certain things just specifically in the community, like different areas, different groups that just want to be able to come together and just have a good time and heal and just, you know, feel like they're home. Um, I think that's just the most important thing, you know? Yeah, and I mean... I, I mean, it's so incredible what you're doing here, and Thank especially, you. you know, when talking about the arts, arts is about, like, expressing yourself, so if somebody of one background can express themselves in the arts, but somebody of another cannot, then, like, what's the point yeah. of art, then? Then it's not art, you know? It's, like, defeated. The whole Absolutely. purpose is defeated. And so, um, I guess one last question. Um, what are your plans for, like, uh, once this, once the Greenville Theater Arts Center, you know, keeps getting more traction and everything, do you plan to stay here in the long run, or do you think you'll ever uh, move outside of Greenville? And um, yeah. I definitely see uh, me building the empire here in Greenville. Uh, definitely traveling, um, but I want to focus on pushing the boundaries in Greenville more than anything, and I know that's going to take time. So. Um, I'm dedicated to how much time that is going to take for me, uh, whether it be five years or whether it be me leaving for a year, still being able to come back and forth, but bringing outside things to Greenville into the Greenville Theater Arts Center. That's my also my main focus now is taking people from Charlotte and say, hey, you guys, I got something started. Like, come on, y'all can come down here or taking my family from Atlanta and certain things from New York and, you know, my other family from California and just like saying, hey, you guys, I've got something and I need to push the boundary more. So I need, you know, different things, different artists, different bands. And so I can really project and push more of the boundary and continue to um, for as long as the community Greenville is here. Well, uh, thank you so much. We, <laughs> we seriously, I've enjoyed interviewing you oh so much. God, and thank you. us here at the Pit Perspective, we wish you all, all the luck in the thank world. Thank you and so much. All right, that is 
all that we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to stay up to date on all of our newest episodes and information, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the.pit.perspective. Thanks, guys.